Today's Sunday sermon has been made possible by the members of Southside Christian Fellowship Church and listeners like you. Thank you so much for your continued prayerful and financial support of this ministry. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and how to get involved, or simply want to give a gift, please just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net today. If we pour ourselves into something, we typically do it because we're passionate about it. You know, if we're passionate about our spouse, our kids, our pets, our house, our cars, our bank accounts, we pour ourselves into those things. And sometimes those passions can lead to addictions. I got to thinking if we could become passionate about Jesus, then maybe we could develop an addiction to Jesus. That's how much that touch impacted my life. And that's how much God can touch you and impact your life that you don't care what's going on. You don't care what you'll suffer. That's what Paul was talking about. Shipwreck me, beat me, throw me in jail. I don't care. I want to be as close to God as I can. And I want to tell everybody I know about him because that is the best place to be. Amen. Addictions are easy to obtain in our world today. They start out giving us the idea that we are controlling them when in fact they end up controlling us. They can be harmful, unless of course we develop an addiction to Jesus. That's the one addiction that is beneficial to our health and can provide true freedom from life's problems. In today's message, we'll continue to look at ways to impact our culture for Jesus, specifically by developing a passion for God and the things of God. We've been talking about impacting our culture for Jesus And I want to continue along that thread, and I just want to go through a little bit of a refresher on the scriptures that God has been uh, showing us. And we'll start in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 39. It says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, uh, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Simplified version. Love God and love your neighbor. That's all God's asking us to do. There are lots of commandments, there are lots of orders, there are lots of ways for us to live our lives, but it it boils down to two things. If we'll simply love our God first and foremost and then love our neighbor as ourself, everything else will fall in line. It'll fall into place. And then I shared with you a little bit about what God had been downloading into me about Paul, specifically from 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verses 16 through 18, and it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. And while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And then Wednesday night, we kicked off our semester of Bible study. And again, our focus this semester is on impacting our culture for Jesus. David Blankenship came in and just did a magnificent job. Uh, Amen. You can give him absolutely. And as I was talking to David, he said to make sure that everybody understands it's not him, it was God. He wants to make sure God gets the glory and not him. But he did do a fabulous job and God worked mightily through him. And he just reminded us that we need to develop a passion for God. And without this passion, our witnessing capabilities are limited. 
If you didn't get a chance to be there Wednesday night, it is on our Facebook page. It's also on our YouTube page. I definitely encourage you to check it out. It is something that will bless you and I hope inspire you. I know it inspired me. And God has not let me go off of this impacting our culture thing. And, and I began to think about what David was sharing and, and I began to have these thoughts of if we pour ourselves into something, we typically do it because we're passionate about it. You know, if we're passionate about our spouse, our kids, our pets, our house, our cars, our bank accounts, we pour ourselves into those things. And sometimes those passions can lead to addictions. And not all addictions are bad. But I got to thinking, if we could become passionate about Jesus, then maybe we could develop an addiction to Jesus. And so what I want to do for you is I want to kind of lay a foundation of how the world sees addiction, and then I want to flip the script and kind of get you to think about it in terms of being addicted to Jesus, and that's my goal today. You know, I was thinking about it this morning. Jesus tend to do, tended to do that a lot when he was walking on the earth. He said things like, the first will be last, and the last will be first. He said, if somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn them to him the other cheek. Everything he seems to say is backwards of what we think. So to me, it fits right here that Whatever we think about addiction, maybe we can flip that and find a different meaning for it. So I wanted to look at a couple definitions with you. And again, like I said, if you'll bear with me, I'm just going to lay a foundation here to start with. And it says an addiction is a habit-forming substance. It's a behavior or an activity having harmful physical, psychological, or social effects and typically causing well-defined symptoms such as anxiety, irritability, tremors, or nausea upon withdrawal, or abstinence. I'll go over the second definition in just a minute. Some examples we hear about all the time are alcohol addiction, drug addiction, sex addiction, and gambling addiction. But, you know, we can have addictions to other things. And we can have addictions to Netflix, social media, going to the gym, eating healthy, eating junk food, playing video games. The list goes on and on and on. We can have addictions. And like I said at the beginning, typically we think of addictions in terms of negative but I would say that being addicted to eating healthy is probably not a bad addiction. But again, you kind of got to look at it and see, is it, really, is it really too much? Am I really going too far with that, that particular addiction? Well, the other definition says that addiction is also a strong indication, in, inclination to do, use, or indulge in something repeatedly. And we're going to look at that one a little bit more later on. So I began to think about how can you tell if you have an addiction to something? And for me, I think the easiest way is just, can you go a week without it? Can you go at least a week without something? You know, for me, I thought about TV. And right now, unfortunately, I'd probably have to tell you, no, I can't go a week without watching TV. What about other things like social media, fried foods, talk radio, going to the gym? Can you go a week without those? The gym, I could definitely go a week without. I'm not addicted to the gym. Social media, I can go a week without social media. I'm not addicted to that. But the others were yeses for me. It's probably a good chance. And for food, I probably have definitely had an addiction. I don't claim that anymore, praise God. I'm, I'm on the other side of that now. So as I began to think about these, and I, I pause there for a minute because for so long, and I'm going to take a tangent for a minute, for so long, you know, I've just joked about my issues with food, and I know I'm not the only person that struggles with things. And, you know, I, I want to stand before you to say that I no longer am addicted to that, but I, I'm speaking that 
You know, God said to call those things not as though they were. And I just want to encourage you that if you've got something that's got a hold on you today, there's no need to wait till the end of this message. You know, there's no need to wait and there's no need to, to keep claiming it. And there's no reason to keep admitting and, 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 and accepting that into your life. I, I know I'm a big boy, but something has changed inside of me. And I'm going to share where I think that happened here in just a minute. And so while in the natural, you still see me as a really big guy and really way overweight, I know that in the spirit, something has changed. And just like with dad, as you guys have seen the transformation with him, I know you'll be seeing that in me here shortly as well. And I know that what God has done in me, he can do in you and all of us. And so I just want to encourage you that, that God is a God of change and there's no need to continue claiming those things. Um, I normally joke a lot about food and that's why I'm pausing just a minute. I'm trying not to do that anymore. I I joke a lot about my weight. It was kind of a defense mechanism and I don't want to do that anymore. Getting back to the message, I looked at an article because I figured that maybe just my opinion wasn't enough for you. That if you couldn't go a week without it, so I thought maybe I'd go and get some doctor's opinions on it. So I read an article talked about six different signs. It came out of psychology today. Six signs you might be addicted to something. All right, sign number one is called importance. Before I read these, think of an activity that you do constantly. Think of something you do in your life that you enjoy, that you do constantly. Importance. How important has it become to your sense of self and the way you live your life? What about the second one here? You, or before I go on, you can determine the importance by how much you do something. You can also determine its importance by how much you don't do it. So think about it in those terms as well. The second question comes from something called a reward response. Does doing that activity make you feel better or more in control? And does not doing it make you feel worse? You know, a lot of times we do the things that, it, that we enjoy because it makes us feel better. And we avoid the things we dislike because it makes us feel better, at least initially. I was thinking about that yesterday when Tammy and I were doing chores. Initially, avoiding chores definitely makes me feel much better. The third one is called prevalence. Do you find yourself doing that activity more often and for longer periods of time than you originally planned? This is called the never enough compulsion. If you feel compelled to say just a little bit more, man, I know that's what my boys say all the time. They'll be playing a a video game, especially. Dad, just a little longer. Dad, just a little longer just a little bit more. Cessation. Do you feel anxious or uncomfortable if you cannot do it or if you just think about not doing it? Okay. One way to gauge how important these activities have become to you is to consider doing without them. But I'll tell you to go one step further. Like I said, don't just think about, could you go without it? Because there are lots of times I would tell you that I could go without food. That wasn't a problem. I was not addicted to food. I could stop eating all the fried foods anytime I wanted. I've said that before. I know that there are other people, I have friends who dealt with alcohol who said the same thing or with drugs and said the same thing or gambling or anything like that, but actually try to go without it for a week. And what I found is I I couldn't do it. So it's not enough just to think about it. You can start out there to see what reaction you have, and that might tell you something, but then actually try to go without it and see what really happens. And then the last two are disruption Has doing this activity disrupted your life and your relationships and reverting? Do you often say to yourself, you're going to do something different, but then turn around and keep doing the same thing? I know I've started diets many, many, many times only to turn around and give in to the first sign of hunger and temptation. And so as I began to think about this and pray about it, 
then God really messed me up. And he asked me a question. He said, can you go without certain things that I like for a week? For example, he said, can you go without praying for a week? And I thought, yeah, I could probably make it a week without praying. Can you go a week without church? Can you go a week without tithing or interacting with the Holy Spirit or sharing the gospel? And unfortunately, I would have to say that, that all of us at some point in our time have probably said yes to these. We could go a week without these things of God. Where are you at today? What do you say to those questions today? Can you go without these things a week? If you can, then chances are pretty good you're not addicted to God. And you're not addicted to the things of God. When I think about Jesus and what he did for us and when he walked on this earth, and I think about the disciples, and I think about the uh, Apostle Paul, and, and I think if I asked them these questions, what would their response be? And I think it would be an emphatic no, and I think they proved that through their actions. Jesus, even while walking on this earth, was constantly going away with the Father. He was constantly getting in touch with God the Father. And he was constantly ministering to people. He was constantly sharing the gospel. He could not go without those things. I think about the disciples. They were so in love with Jesus, they left everything and followed him. They didn't even know how to handle life when he died. He kept telling them that he was going to die, and they didn't truly understand it. And they didn't want to understand it because they couldn't see life without him. But then when he died, was resurrected, and ascended into heaven, they were so addicted to him that they didn't stop preaching about him. They continued on and, and changed this world forever. The apostle Paul was so addicted to sharing the gospel and to God that he called getting jailed and beat and shipwrecked and persecuted, he called those momentary light afflictions. I submit to you that unless you're focused on God, you will not be able to call those things momentary light afflictions. I was thinking about the other night, Levi has his driver's license now and is just so excited, so we use him as a gopher, and he goes for food a lot of times for us. And he came home the other night, and McDonald's had forgotten my fries. I had a tough time with that. I was upset with Levi for not checking the order. I was upset with McDonald's not putting him in the bag. How am I going to be able to survive jail, shipwreck, being beaten, I can't even survive them losing my fry order. These are the things that God's been getting me to think about here lately. I say all of this to set up the testimony I want to give to you right now because it's apparent to me that if I want to be like Jesus, I've got to get more in love with him. I've got to get more addicted to him. Amen. You can clap. Amen. When I was younger, I felt like I was closer to God than I have been over the last several, several years. There was a tangible feeling that would come all over me. I could just feel him, his presence, like a warmth inside. You know, I don't know how to put it into words. I describe it as kind of feeling like you're, you're, you're carrying a buzz and a high all the time. I assume, I actually believe it or not, has never been high on other things besides God. I've been accused of it before. I've been close enough to God that I've literally had friends when I was a teenager and before I got married to Tammy uh, that, that accused me of being drunk, of, of just being high on life. I've had people come up and ask me, what are you so happy about? 
and I'd get to share with them all about Jesus. And I got married, and then I had kids, and then I changed jobs a few times, and each thing that happened in my life, I got further and further away from that presence. Now, I want to tell you, I didn't stop being obedient to God, and I didn't stop receiving blessings. And I would submit to you today, being obedient is better than not being at all. Going to church out of obligation is better than not going at all. Reading and praying out of obligation and giving tithes and sharing the gospel out of obligation is better than not doing it all. But we ought to see, we ought to set our expectations a little higher because I'm telling you, if we can get to the point where we're doing it because we can't live without it, there is a, there is a euphoric, tangible, high feeling that I think is that peace of God that he talks about in the New Testament that comes all over you, that when you're faced with the things that the disciples were faced with, and you're faced with the things that Jesus was faced with, and you're faced with the things that the Apostle Paul were faced with, then you begin to understand it doesn't matter. It doesn't bother you. Do whatever you want to me. I don't care because I'm addicted to Jesus and the things of Jesus, and I got to let other people know. Amen. Well, something happened to me. And, and my friends have, I told you several times now, have drugged me all over the state of Georgia to different ministers and different things. And I went to a, a men's conference and, and something happened there, but I didn't realize it. Like I didn't walk out of that conference going, man, that was the best conference I've ever been to. I didn't. But I noticed the next week that something was different. And I don't know if it was that particular conference or the fact that for the past two years I've been pursuing God much more than I had before. So I don't know if it's just finally caught up. I don't know what it is. I don't really care, to be honest with you. But I've been enjoying the feeling. I've been enjoying the state of mind. I've been enjoying where God has me, and he's been downloading into me. And so a few weeks ago, we went to a church service. Uh, I called it a Sunday night prayer party. And it was at a little church out in Covington. Went with a few friends. It was the second time I had been. First time did not go well. If I hadn't have been asked by friends, I wouldn't have gone back. But I went back, and I went out of obedience rather than expectation. But like I said, sometimes obedience is better than not going at all. And I'm sitting there, and the pastor pretty much immediately starts praying for people. I'm going... All right, here we go. And so I, yes, being the big man I am, try to shrink down and hide to no avail because one of my so-called friends calls me out and pretty much pushes me out into the aisle. And as I'm hesitantly going but not really wanting to, he looks at me and he says, you've been saying you wanted more of God. I'm like, well, how can I argue with that? Yeah, I, okay, fine. Well, I realize that my heart's not in the right place. And so I just stop and pray right there. Lord, I... I really do want more of you. I want this feeling to continue. I want to be addicted to you. I want to be as high on you as I can be because I know it makes me a better person all the way around. And so God just changed my heart here. Well, the pastor prayed and I felt a little shockwave. And I didn't fall out in the spirit. I didn't get drunk in the spirit. It was kind of momentary, but it's almost like the lights flickered and I felt something. And I thought, oh, hey, what? I remember this feeling. seems like I've had this before. Well, they got done praying, and I went and sat down back in the pew, and I just listened, and they brought up the, the, the speaker for that night, and he did a great job. I, I, think, um, I think his best one was his second sermon. The third one was a little long, but uh, he, he was really good. I was starting to get a little tired, so I'm, I'm telling you that on purpose because I was starting to fade. 
Well, at the end, they have ministry time again. And this time, my, again, so-called buddy decides he, he's not done with me and God's not done with me. And so he asked me to come out in the aisle to pray for me again. And so I catch myself again and I say, okay, Herman, go with the right attitude. Lord, give me the right heart. Because like I said, I'd started to fade. I was getting tired. I was ready to go. So I said, okay, Lord, I, I just, I want what you want for me. I want, I want what you have for me. And part of my problem was I, I was, I was concerned with being embarrassed. Uh, I, I just, I don't want to be embarrassed. And there's some really wild, wacky stuff going on in this church. I'll just be honest with you. They do some things that I don't necessarily understand and don't totally agree with, but I don't think it's what they're doing is against God. I just think some of it's immature, I guess is the best way to explain it, okay? And I just didn't want to be a part of some of that. And so that was some of my hesitancy. And it's like God was just sitting here right next to me, and he says, do you want to be closer to me or not? I said, yes, I, I do want to be closer to you. He said, then quit worrying about whether you're going to be embarrassed or not. I said, okay, Lord, do what you want. Embarrass me. I don't care because I know I want that feeling again. I want more of you, Father God. I want to be close to you. So I go out and Matt, if you're listening, Matt, thanks a lot. Matt grabs my hands. He's just holding my hands. There's nobody around me, and he's praying for me. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to feel a little lighter on my feet. And I start leaning a little bit to the right, and I notice it. So I try to shift back to the left, but it's not working out real well. I keep leaning to the right a little bit, and all I keep thinking is, who's pushing me? And I kind of look with my left eye a little bit, and nobody's there. And I'm thinking, Matt's directing me with his, my hands or something. Well, he's barely holding on at all, and that leg's getting lighter and lighter. And all I can think is, you said about embarrassment. What about injury, Father God? There's a... <laughs> There's a pew right here. I mean, I'm willing, but Lord, come on, please. And so Matt gets done praying. Well, that, I mean, it just like a wave hits, and I feel that presence of God. And he gets done praying, and I'm not done, though. So I go sit down in the pew, and I just put my head down, and I just let God wash over me and minister to me. And it's a phenomenal feeling again. And I'm saying, thank you, Lord, thank you. Just, and he's just downloading. He, amen. He's just downloading. I'm enjoying this presence so much. I don't know how much time had passed, but I know Matt gets real close to my ear and startles me, and he asks me, should he go and get Dale? Well, Dale, if you don't know, I know our church does, but if you're listening uh, on Facebook or, or, or live, Dale is blind. So Dale has made his way down to the front, or somebody has brought him down to the front and left him down there, and Matt wants to know if he should go get him. All I know is my response was something to the effect of, I don't care right now, Leave me alone. <laughs> and I kind of smiled at him. Well, Matt was really concerned because he really wanted to be a good friend and he wanted to make sure that Dale was okay. So he leans over and he says, dude, I, I just don't know what I should do. Should I go up there and get him? I said, dude, Dale is a grown man. He got himself down there. He can get himself back. Now go away and leave me alone. <laughs> so he left me alone and let me enjoy that wave that was crashing over me at that time. And Dale has been at services since then, and he was in the car that night, so Dale made it back safely, and he was just fine. Amen? So I, I tell you all of that to tell you this next part. A week later, I'm starting to feel sick. I don't feel real good. It's not horrible. Just feel a little tired. And Saturday, Matt calls me, and he's concerned, and he tells me that two people from this church have tested positive for coronavirus, and he feels very guilty right now because he's taken us to this church. 
and he feels responsible. Well, first of all, I told him I didn't think it was coronavirus because I didn't feel the symptoms that everybody's talking about. So I call the doctor just as a precaution. The short version is he tells me to treat it as COVID until we find out for sure. So I skip Sunday service. Monday comes around, I take the test. It comes back positive. I'm shocked. I'm so shocked that it's coronavirus because I'm not feeling all those symptoms everybody's talking about to the point I'm doing chores like on Tuesday. I'm like, well, I guess I'll just take a week and a half. We'll get the house back in shape and do some things. Well, week two hit and that changed and I got really fatigued and eyes were tired. I had some other symptoms from it. And so Matt's calling me and, and you could just tell in his voice that he is very apologetic. He feels bad. He feels horrible that he's invited me and pushed me to go to this, this church service and I've contracted coronavirus. Well, first of all, I don't know for sure that's where I got it from because we're talking a week later and I had other interactions throughout that week. But I told him, I said, man, even if I did get coronavirus from there, let me just tell you something. God touched me so much that night that if I had a chance to go back knowing I would get coronavirus, I'd do it right now. And I'm going to tell you why. Amen. I'm healed and I've recovered from the coronavirus. It's done. I spent that two weeks. I was sick. It's over. But that touch I got that night is still going strong. And I would go back today and I'd go through another two weeks of the coronavirus if it meant getting another touch from God. That's how much that touch impacted my life. And that's how much God can touch you and impact your life that you don't care what's going on. You don't care what you'll suffer. That's what Paul was talking about. Shipwreck me. Beat me. Throw me in jail. I don't care. I want to be as close to God as I can and I want to tell everybody I know about him because that is the best place to be. Amen? That's being addicted to Jesus, that it doesn't matter what comes your way. So I want to go back through these six signs with you, and I want to put a focus on Jesus now as opposed to just the way the world sees it. And let's find out, are you addicted to Jesus? Question number one, how important has he become to your sense of self and the way you live your life? Again, you can determine this importance by how much time you spend with him or by how much time you don't spend with him. Does spending time with Jesus make you feel better? I put more in control there because I do think God allows us to feel that confidence that control can bring sometimes, but it goes way past that when you're with Jesus. Does not spending time with Jesus make you feel worse? Grandam shared with you today that he was so glad to be back in church. Grandam doesn't have access to Facebook Live. Now, he does get to get some church services on, on, on TV, but it's just not the same, is it, Grandam? And so he's telling you, it, it had a physical effect on him. He felt worse for not being able to be here because he's addicted to the things of God. Do you find yourself spending time with Jesus more often and for longer periods of time than you originally planned? Again, this is a never enough compulsion. Do you have that never enough compulsion? Do you feel compelled to say just a little bit more? No, no, just a little bit more prayer time. Lord, let me, let me witness to just one more person. No, God, let's do one more thing together. Lord, don't, let's don't call it quits for the day. Do you feel anxious or uncomfortable if you can't spend time with Jesus? Or if you just think about not spending time with him? A lot of times, Jesus becomes an afterthought to us. We've got to get to the point where when we're not spending time with him, we're thinking about it. We're thinking about getting with him more than we are the next football game or the next activity or the next whatever. You can substitute anything in there. It doesn't matter. 
Can you go a week or longer without spending time with him? Again, sometimes we think we can, right? But if we're truly addicted, we're not going to be able to. Has spending time with Jesus disrupted your life and your relationships? Do you often say to yourself, I need to spend more time doing something else, only to turn around and go right back to spend more time with Jesus? You see, psychology today in the world in the naturalized says that all of these signs can point to a much bigger problem, addiction. Well, if you put Jesus as that addiction, then all of these signs can point to a much bigger solution. And that's addiction to Jesus. Addiction is a behavior that controls you. And if Jesus is your addiction, then he should be controlling you. How do we know this? Look at Psalms 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I told you we'd come back to that second definition of addiction, which is a strong inclination to do, use, or indulge in something repeatedly. Now let's look at what the scriptures say about that. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Again, repeatedly. Repeatedly. That's addiction. Repeatedly. 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I affirm, brethren, by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. We've got to die daily to that flesh, repeatedly, daily. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And I'll end with Ephesians 6, 10 through 11 and verse 18, which says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for the saints. The world sees addiction as a negative, harmful behavior. But if we're addicted to Jesus, that's the most positive, beneficial behavior you will ever have in your life. Addiction may start with you thinking you are controlling it, but in the end, it controls you. And if you think about the things of this world, that's not a good thing. But again, if you refocus to Jesus, if you refocus to Jesus, you may start out thinking you're controlling Jesus like a genie in the bottle. Lord, give me this, do this, do that. But if you will stick with that addiction, he'll end up controlling you and your life will be better for it. We've got to get to the point where we are so addicted to Jesus, we can't live without him. David talked about passion for God. We're talking about impacting our culture for Jesus. You want to have the most profound effect, the most profound impact on our culture for Jesus? Then get addicted to him. Because when you get addicted to Jesus, you get addicted to the things of Jesus. And guess what Jesus is addicted to? He's addicted to us. He's been trying to get to us for centuries. He's wanting to be with us. He wants us to be with him. If we want to reach our culture, we need to get addicted to Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, 
please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.